today on Light on the Hill. When it comes to Bible prophecy, there is an ebb and a flow and a series of patterns and precedents that if you will take a, a moment to stop and understand, it will open up your world of understanding in a million different areas and your ability to be able to get your hand on the, on the uh, heartbeat of the way Bible prophecy works completely changes everything. That peace only comes from you I have found That joy only comes from you Cause all I need is Welcome to another Light on the Hill. In a moment, we'll be joined by Pastor James Cadiz, who today picks up where we left off in our series in the volume of the book. It's a 20-week study through the Bible that emphasizes prophecy. For the next few programs, we'll go through First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. And yes, even these books contain prophecy. Here's Pastor James. Okay, so um, I will, before I get into some of the technical side of this, let me first say that the greater barrier that I think I run into in doing a series like this, and it can be, it can get complicated, right? The greater barrier that I run into in a series like this centers around the way Bible prophecy is being tackled right now, right? The way that it's being taught by so many people. And, and I know that it sounds presumptuous and I know that it sounds somewhat arrogant to make an assertion like the one I'm about to make, but unfortunately it's true, okay? So we just have to talk about this uh, a little bit. And it, it really centers around the idea that an overwhelming amount of people that teach Bible prophecy and claim to really be specialists in this area are actually really ignorant of it, right? They don't really understand the ebb and the flow of what God is actually desiring to communicate why he's wanting to do it, and they don't really understand the system that God has put together to sort of establish a pattern of understanding. And as a result, people's uh, discernment concerning uh, biblically prophetic things is very broken, right? Lots of different people who are talking about the most insane things you'll ever hear. And they come to these crazy conclusions and they sensationalize it. And what's even crazier is the average person buys that garbage hook, line, and sinker. And the reason why they buy it is because the Bible does accurately predict a whole series of things uh, that have happened or will about to happen, you know, and people look at that and they place this great premium on the accuracy of God's word as it relates to those things. But the problem is, is the people that continue to teach these things don't really understand how it all connects. They're not capable of identifying patterns, or let me say this, it's not that they're not capable of identifying patterns, but there is a laziness that exists behind the pulpits around our country today, and quite frankly, in many ways around our world, that uh, oftentimes keeps men from being able to really get the fullest out of everything that's being communicated. And the problem is when you don't recognize the patterns, you are not going to be able to recognize the conclusions that exist regarding each prophetic element. And when you don't recognize those things, you actually cheapen, not sensationalize the, uh, the beauty of everything that you see being communicated in Bible prophecy. And it's a terrible error, but it's 
it's true. Let me just say this. When I was a young man studying Bible prophecy back in the day, the most notable Bible prophecy teachers that were around made errors on a regular basis. And they were not the type of errors where they said, well, we really studied hard through the math and miscalculated a few figures and we came to this foregone conclusion, right? It was the type of errors that came from a pattern of being fast and loose, right? They were the type of errors where significant mistakes were being made because they were living in an era when you could go in front of a whole church body, make a series of insane statements, and very few of those statements would be fact-checked because the world in which they lived did not develop sort of a environment or had not an environment that gave people the accessibility to information that they have now and so they could make a series of assertions that as insane as they were people actually believed it because there was no real way to fact check the things that they were saying and from that era lots of statements continue to be made today that are completely unfounded and completely incorrect here's a great example a lot of people will oftentimes talk about God saying, fear not, right? We hear that phrase being used all the time. And oftentimes, and where I first heard it was in a very well-known Bible prophecy teacher who basically says that fear not had somewhat of a, a, a significance in Bible prophecy, so much so that when God chose to use the words fear not, he actually, in the Bible, found fear not 365 times, right? One for every single day of the year. How many times have people heard that? Have anybody heard that? Fear not is in the Bible. 365 times. One for every day in the year. Hogwash. You can go and you can count it any which way and you will find out that those numbers are not even remotely close, right? And what caused me to ask that question is, hmm, 365 times a year. What about the overwhelming amount of time, the period of hundreds and hundreds of years when the Bible actually went according to the Babylonian calendar, right? When there were lots of prophecies being done based on 360 days a year. Or what about the overall calendar that actually depends on the festivals that we read about in the Bible that are based on the lunar numbering that has nothing to do with the days of the year that we talk about. And then what about the leap years? How do you take into account for all of that? I began to think about all these things and so i just basically said i'm just going to start i'm just going to count i'm going to just go through it i'm just going to start counting and i'm just going to i'm going to open i'm going to go through each page in the bible i'm going to grab a concordance because at the time that was the only tool that we had to be able to do that and i'm just going to start counting this was years and years and years ago and i all i had to do was give it a little bit of time i mean it wasn't even i didn't have to give it a lot of time i just gave it a short amount of time and i began to realize something uh-oh those numbers are not even close but yet men get up there and make these confident assertions and are booming with their voices and 365 times go to the Bible. And it's just, it's absolutely amazing. And then I became a little bit more distraught when I began to realize back in those days when you started challenging those guys and you began to ask them questions about many of the assertions that they were making, they actually met you with some pretty significant anger, right? And they weren't happy about asking them questions when me as a kid, yes, don't get me wrong. Now look, don't, look. I can be a little aggressive, all right? Fine, I get that, right? I can I can be a bit off-putting in how, you know, confrontational I sound at times, but the reality of it is, at that time, I was just a kid that was 
super hungry to learn the word of God. All I wanted to do was I just wanted to learn. When I first started walking with the Lord and I got saved, my dad made me a promise. He said, look, James, I'm going to take you to the bookstore every week and I will buy you as many books as you can possibly read in that week. And I won't buy you anymore until you read those books. So I took, I took advantage of my dad and I literally had my dad take me to the bookstore. And I kid you not, he was spending $300 a week, $400 a week on books for me every single week without exception. And I was reading them up and I was swallowing up and I was looking at stuff and reading. And I just, I was a kid that was hungry for the word. I just was. I remember the one time that kind of got me to really sort of fall disillusioned and kind of go in a completely different way than the way I was going where I was blindly believing some of these guys was we had a guy that came to our church as a guest speaker. I won't talk, I won't mention his name. He knows me now and we kind of have a, a, an agreeable, amicable relationship, right? We don't, we don't have this adversarial relationship, but at the time he was very angry with me, very, very angry, right? I saw a video of him going up and teaching some people on the King James debate, right? And him talking about how the King James translation was the only true biblical real translation in the Bible. And he based it on all kinds of crazy statements that you, there's, look, even the guys that are first year Bible college students that are just beginning to taste of textual criticism would tell you are not true, right? Would just say, hey, these are statements that are just being, they're just crazy statements, but they're statements that guys that are making are completely unchecked and they're saying it because they just can, they can get away with it. So uh, he made a statement about a book that was being written. It was a very, very popular book. It was a book that gained a lot of notoriety because of this guy. And when he started uh, talking about the book, the book uh, that was, it, it really uh, brought out the whole thing of the subject of the King James debate, right? Whether or not the King James translation was the right translation and so on and so forth. And I um, uh, got a copy of this book and, you know, I heard this guy, really popular, famous guy talking about how the author of this book is a really smart Harvard trained man and he's very gifted and he understands what he's talking about. He's such a great guy. So I picked up the book and I realized something kind of that scared me and that was if they're educating people at harvard like this then we're in big trouble because this guy's dumb and i wasn't trying to be insulting or weird it's like his reasoning was broken and none of the things that he was saying was making sense and then i began to look into a little bit further and i began to realize well he did have a harvard degree and well this was prior to the trans movement thing going on but he happened to be a she he wasn't even a guy, it was a girl and he wasn't pretending to be a guy. And I began to realize that the degree that she had was a home ec degree that related to something completely unrelated to the field in which she was communicating. I went to go confront the guy about it. All it takes is 20 minutes to confirm the facts that I'm telling you are right. How can you be so like firm and convicted? Now, mind you, the way I went about it was wrong. Okay, like don't like don't get me wrong. Uh, look, he was uh, coming as a guest speaker at our church, and um, he was in the green room getting ready to you know go out there on stage. You know, probably a few minutes before he went out on stage, and we were uh, getting ready to all pray, all the church leadership together. And you know, I was the big mouth kid that didn't really understand tact or anything like that. And I just outright in front of everybody, like, dude, you're a fake. You know, that's not a nice thing to do to a guy before he goes out and teaches and you know i don't know why but pastor jeff seemed to really enjoy watching me do that i don't get it i don't, I don't understand it but um i learned better I, I knew something was very wrong because when i 
said those things and mind you look i was wrong for the way i did it there was nothing right about how i approached that but when you go and you say those things and they they meet you with a certain viciousness about them they're just brutally angry at you and they're just you begin to realize something hey these guys actually don't want to tell the truth because if they end up telling the truth and telling the truth is a cost to something they said and it makes them have to apologize and they look dumb after saying it, then they won't do it. And that told me something very interesting. If I can't trust him to actually apologize about making an assertion that a girl is a boy, right? And doesn't even get his facts straight about the background of a book that he's actually supporting, how in the world can I trust him to give me deeper insight into the Bible? And it kind of shocked me a little bit. And then as I began to dig, and there's a reason why I'm telling you guys all of this, right? As I began to dig, I began to realize very quickly that so much of what I had been taught was irrelevant. So much of what had been established for me and in front of me, all these years of studying the Bible, at this point it was three or four years, you know, under the common Bible prophecy teachers that were there in the Calvary Chapel system, I began to realize was very broken. At best, what we were seeing was we were seeing a group of men who made a series of doctrines very popular. And in many cases, those doctrines were correct, but they had no idea why they came to those conclusions and would not be able to defend those conclusions because they were handed down those ideas and never studied them themselves. And then I began to realize a bigger problem, and that was this. If I'm going to understand this stuff, and if I'm going to dedicate my life to teaching this stuff, then I need to start from the very beginning. I need to understand what this is all about. And God actually led me to do something that I'm so grateful that I did. And I'm so blessed that I was able to actually move in this direction. And that was just get to know the Bible as well as you possibly can. And the more I began to study the Bible and the more I began to read through the Bible from cover to cover again and again and again and again and again and again, and the more I began to understand names and uh, uh, kings and geographies and uh, stories and places and you know all of the stuff that goes with it, I began to realize this actually isn't all that hard to understand. This isn't even difficult to understand. As a matter of fact, it feels like I'm fitting into an old glove because I also realized something else that was really interesting, and that was this. When I started digging into a book as scary as the book of Revelation, it was actually easy to me. It made perfect sense. Why? Because what you might not realize about a book like the book of Revelation is if you know the Old Testament really well, and you understand the patterns that were established in the Old Testament, the book of Revelation is simply this. It is the key to unlocking what all of that stuff in the Old Testament actually meant. And it makes your life so much more dramatically easier in learning to understand biblical precedent. And what I realized very quickly is that when it comes not only to the simple Bible and everything that we read in the Word, but I learned that when it comes to Bible prophecy, there is an ebb and a flow and a series of patterns and precedents that if you will take a, a moment to stop and understand, it will open up your world of understanding in a million different areas and your ability to be able to get your hand on the, on the uh, heartbeat of the way Bible prophecy works completely changes everything. So the purpose of this series has been to sort of establish those patterns to get you to understand it. 
And what we're going to do today is going to be a bit of a wax on, wax off exercise, okay? Some of this is not gonna make sense because it's gonna feel a little tedious when I talk about what I'm talking about, but the idea behind it is to get you to recognize certain patterns that will help you establish and understand and determine what it's all about. First and foremost, I have to say this, Bible prophecy was designed to establish within us a series of patterns that get us to specific moments in history that are relevant to a couple of different things, right? The first thing that it's relevant to is the story of salvation, okay? If you look at Bible prophecy, you will recognize that virtually every biblically prophetic significant element that exists in the Bible has an underlying thread that establishes a pattern that takes us to the subject of salvation, okay? When we talk about salvation, meaning the, the simple story of how we are redeemed, right? Man was given perfection, man messed it up, God recognized that problem, he actually solved that problem by a tremendous sacrifice. The door is now open for mankind to be redeemed because of that sacrifice. And that redemption brings an everlasting effect, never to be taken away or put in danger again. That simple theme, the theme of the gospel, is literally one of the undercurrents. It's one of the underlying threads that uh, Bible prophecy is made relevant in. Okay, that's one thing. Now, if you take that very simple current, if you take that very simple line that we talk about and you begin to hone down on those lines, you begin to, to look a little bit closer into that, then you will find other undercurrents that exist that are very important, right? For example, and by the way, just so that you know, these things that I'm talking to you about also carry themselves through the Bible as a whole, okay? They also carry themselves through, completely through, as it relates to the whole rest of the Bible, not just Bible prophecy. And I'll give you an example of this. One of the underlying currents that we talk about besides salvation is we talk about the bloodline of the, uh, uh, for, for lack of a better term, of the Messiah, okay? When we lead from what's called the Davidic covenant, right? The covenant that was made by the Lord to David in carrying David through to the, uh, the existence of the Messiah, the Messiah coming to earth, and then everything that happens in the future with Christ coming back for the church, it's an underlying current there. And there are patterns that you will see identified in Bible prophecy that very specifically deals with that particular process, okay? I hope you guys are following with me here because I don't want to sound terribly confusing. But one, an example of this that might help you better understand this is genealogies, right? We talk about genealogies all throughout the Bible. So many people tell me genealogies are boring and they're frustrating and I just, you know, I just get sick and tired of reading through all the names and the, you know, he begat this person and that person begat that person and that generation spoke of this time and this, you know, was so many years and so on and so forth. Now, understand, let me just stop to make a side comment here. Genealogies are perhaps one of the most significant tools available to us in the Bible to establish dating, right? And also to establish an understanding of time periods and breaking those time periods up. Like for example, I talked about Noah's Ark this morning and I talked about the fact that Noah's Ark at the bare minimum would have taken 75 years to build. Well, the only way that I know that that would be the case is the establishment of a particular genealogy given to us early in Genesis that helps us to better understand the time span that existed between certain people in the genealogies, thus giving us a good dating for how long it would have taken Noah to build the ark, okay? So hopefully that makes a little bit of sense. They all have a very significant relevance to it. But here's the thing that you need to understand. In the case of genealogies, 
when you see a genealogy starting and that genealogy has no relationship to the Messiah, to King David, it really comes down to the Messiah, right? If it has no relationship, eventually leading us to King David or any of those significant bloodlines that take us to the Messiah, the genealogy stops. You go and you read through it, and you read about these interesting people that existed, like, for example, some of the genealogies in the, in the table of nations in, in, in Genesis, early on in Genesis, you'll realize that many of those genealogies stop in their tracks, and you don't read anything else about those family trees. They, they kind of stop. Why? Because they have no relevance to the subject of the Messiah, right? Bible prophecy does the same thing. The Bible... Uh, gives us all of these prophetic utterances concerning things that relate to the future. And virtually all of those things relate to the biblical account of who Jesus is, how he came to this earth, all the significant variables that are uh, uh, speaking concerning salvation and everything related to it. And then what becomes even more interesting than that is if you understand the patterns of Bible prophecy being established in the Old Testament, then it becomes way more important to you in the New Testament because the New Testament sheds significant light on why certain names are given to us, right? You've been listening to Pastor James Cadiz on Light on the Hill and part of our series in the volume of the book. We're going from Genesis to Revelation, emphasizing the many passages pertinent to Bible prophecy. You can access today's study and any part of the series you may have missed online at lightonthehillradio.com or listen to Pastor James through the Light on the Hill app. If the Lord leads, we'd also appreciate your financial partnership. Each gift that comes in goes straight to the ministry, helping us to get the Word of God out on stations and platforms like this one all across the country. Donate online at lightonthehillradio.com or give through the Light on the Hill app. Let's return to Pastor James now for the rest of his message. First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles goes over the majority of the, of the prophecies that we find there are going to relate to the Davidic covenant. Now, this is why this is really important you're not going to understand how the Davidic covenant works if you do not understand how the nations were assembled, how they split, and how they eventually dissolved. You're not gonna understand it. And you're not gonna understand a lot of how the Davidic covenant works and the ebbs and flows of prophecy unless you understand who the players are when it comes to the kings. This is why when I teach an Isaiah class, I make my students, I, this is not an exaggeration, it's been a while since I've taught this class, and, and the attrition rate in this class, the only other class that had an attrition rate that was higher was original language classes. I had way more people quit in those classes than this class. But the requirement in this class was really simple, and that was read through virtually half of the Bible at least three times a week for the next 16 weeks that you're going to be taking the class. And the reason why they were required to do so is I wanted them to literally just get it all sucked into their heads. Now, most of them argued and kicked and screamed and said, I'm not going to learn anything. I'm just going to feel, you know, uh, uh, numb. And, and it's just all you're going to make me do is just read for nothing. And it's just going to keep going in one ear, not the other. And I said, yeah, no problem. That's okay. Eventually, you're going to come back to me and thank me that I made you do this. And every single one of them that I made do that actually did, did thank me, right? Just like when I was learning all about the stock market, and I was learning how to trade and all that. One of my friends who taught me how to do that, he told me this. He said, James, I want you to do me this favor. 
He says, if you've never learned anything about stock market terminology, just go to CNBC and watch CNBC four hours a day. Just play it in the background and watch it four hours a day. And the first day that I did that, I, I literally told myself, I'm going to go insane. I don't understand a word these talking heads are talking about. I don't know the difference between a Fibonacci number and a stochastic. And I have no idea what a candlestick is versus, you know, uh, any type of a oscillator. No, I don't know what a stock RSI or is, a, you know, uh, you know, I don't know any of these MACDs all of you tech people understand exactly what I'm talking about in the area of of uh, finance I didn't know any of that stuff and he kept telling me this he kind of made fun of me he says hey dumb dumb you know because he called me a smarty pants because he, he considered me smart for whatever reason he said hey dumb dumb just keep doing what I'm asking you to do it won't make sense it's going to feel like a bunch of clutter but eventually it's going to make a lot of sense and so I just listened to him okay fine you know I got lots of work to do I'll just play it in the background no big deal and I remember just complaining and being really upset by it and just really bothered by it all. And then finally, I remembered, um, I heard Jim Cramer come on and he began to talk about something related to the market. And I just remembered this. It was like probably three months into this, right? Listening to him say something about something going on in the market. And I just thought in my mind, no, dummy, it doesn't go that way. Why are you lying to these people? You know, and I'm just thinking about this in my mind. I realized, oh, wait. Oh, that's crazy. I'm actually understanding what he's saying. And then uh, maybe a month into this, I'm realizing I know the terminology now. I get it. It begins to make sense. And although I didn't learn a single thing about the talking head, so to speak, or any of that, all the terms began to make sense to me. And before I knew it, I was able to discern a whole lot of mechanics in the stock market that nobody would have ever known because I began to realize something very important. And that is... When I endowed myself in the use of the language, the terminology, the players, all of the technical information, it became very obvious to me what was actually going on. We'll get back to our series in the volume of the book next time on Light on the Hill with Pastor James Cadiz. This program is brought to you by Calvary Chapel Signal Hill online at lightonthehillradio.com and jamescadiz.com. I have That peace only comes from you I have found That joy only comes from you Cause all I need is 